Unlimited Grace. And did you enjoy Unlimited Grace tonight? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's stand all over the room. We have guests here tonight. We want to welcome each other, and it's good to be here. Isn't it a joy just to be a Christian? I tell you what, Christians can have fun. Enjoy ourselves. Amen. Would you join us as we pray? Father, what a joy to be able to worship you. In song, in fellowship, love. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your presence and who you are. You're doing something through this week and we enjoy being a part of it lord you've touched our hearts you've dug deep into our souls and you've helped us to see things that we needed to deal with even ourselves and we're grateful thank you father thank you 
Lord, we need that. And we know that revival is a time when we as Christians, Lord, can somehow get closer to you and realizing that there's things that maybe we've done that we shouldn't have. Maybe we've acted and we've talked away we shouldn't have. And Lord, you speak to us and you help us to understand that that's not right. Just come back, follow you and do what's right. Lord, you revive us. You motivate us. You move into our hearts a, a happy life and a laughter upon our lips and face. And we go out and share the good news of what you've done, not only for us, but in us. And what you're continuing to do through us today as we share our testimony to this world. Thank you tonight for Brother Steve. Lord, his faithfulness in this place. All of these services that he's been with us. We know this is the last night of a series of meetings. But Lord, we do not think that this is going to be the end. We feel, Lord, uh, that there's many in this room that are going to continue to be obedient to you. And let the fires burn continually. Thank you for hearing us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's stand and sing 533, Set My Soul to Fire.
is going to be a little different me and Mark singing here. Oh, man. I thought, I, I thought, I thought they'd have left me. <laughs> I'm saying, bro. Oh.
Good, good evening. How's everybody tonight? Well, for the last few nights, Steve has brought us a message. And when the first time I went to Snowbird, there was this big guy walked in the room dressed in a Hawaiian shirt. And he's been preaching all week this week. And I kind of wondered where the old Steve was. And I see he's back out and joined us today. One of his favorite things when we walked in there was it's story time with Steve. So we'll have story time with Stan for just a second. Um, there was this guy. His mother wanted him to be a preacher. But he went to Richmond and played football. Went down to Franklin, Virginia. Went on a blind date. Met his wife, Billy Fay. Came back, framed houses for a while. And God got a hold of him. And he decided he wanted to go into preaching. From that point, he, he continued to work on his craft and work on his ministry. And he got in his heart to take over the family farm up in North Carolina in Andrews, North Carolina, about 100 acres. They started with 50 kids about 21 years ago that very first summer. This summer they have 12 weeks and going to serve over 9,000 kids this year. So, um, And this church, most of us, a lot of us have been to Snowbird, and we're very grateful for Snowbird and grateful for Steve. Steve would come here the last time. Thank you. Controlled by instinct, 
And they do what they do because they have to do it. But God has given us an intellect unlike the animals. Now, they have a personality, but they don't have an intellect. They don't. And, and you know what? And, he, and they're controlled by his name. But we are controlled. God wants us to be controlled by him, but he gives us a choice. He gives you, you have a choice. You can either follow him or deny him. He'll allow you to go to heaven, go to heaven, and he will let you go to hell. It's your choice. And see, this thing about, uh, about serving God, it's a choice. You know, we pray, oh, God, help me to do this and help me to do that. And, Lord, I want you to do this. Well, have you said, God, you do it in me. That's right. You do it. That's right. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, Stan was telling you about uh, me working. I was on staff at a church for a while. Then I went to be a chaplain at a poultry plant working with 800 low-income families. And that, I told people I learned about ministry at First Baptist Woodstock, but I learned about me and God's people in a chicken plant. And it was a life changer, okay? But in that chicken plant, oh, gosh. I'm trying to, I, I forgot what the store was. I just just gone. You know how I haven't seen it. Oh, you have to choose, okay? And you have to choose whether or not you want to let God be in control. You have, to, you, you have to choose. You know, we've been given altar calls all week, and God has proven through his word he'll do what we need. You know, he'll do in us what he needs to do, but we have to choose. And so we've talked about the fact that Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of me. What have you got to do with that? Nothing. Except you've got to choose. Choose for God to be everything. Choose for God to be your God and not your errand boy. You've got to choose to let him be who he is in your life. We talked about the fact that he says that he will make his witnesses. He says, he says that God will, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. That's it. That's if you choose. You got to choose. It's your choice. At the invitation time, to choose to come to the altar and pray, or choose to sit in your seat. That's it. Just a choice. You can do both. You can pray in your seat. You can pray at the altar. You just choose. And God has given you. Choices. But you know what? If our choices are not God's choices, they're sin. And we talked about that. that sin is selfishness. And you can say that you haven't sinned, but if I ask if there's nobody here selfish today, I would hope nobody would raise their hand. How many times did you defend yourself and help yourself and elevate yourself and marvel at yourself today? We're pretty selfish people. But the, the thing of it is, is we have to choose. But you know what? God has said that he will do all of it. 
I've told you about all those. And God will do all. He'll do everything. Now I've got three, three more for you. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 36. I think that, yeah, they put it up there. All right. What is this? All right. Chapter 36 in Ezekiel, starting in verse 35. And God said, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from your idols. God says, I will cleanse you. He didn't say you need to get cleaned up after you get saved. He said, I'll clean you. Don't worry about that. I'll clean Verse 26 says, a new heart I will also give to you, and a spirit I will put within you, the Holy Spirit, and I will take away your stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart that is soft, or flesh. He's going to give you a new heart. He's going to give you a new mind. He's going to give you a new walk to. He's going to give you all those things, but you've got to choose to accept them. You got to choose. And then it says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments, and you will do them. Woo. He said he was gonna make, he was gonna make us do all of his judgments, study his precepts and principles, and we'll do them all. Uh, that's what the Bible said, right? Now then, who in here believes that they, call, uh, they uh, follow God's judgment and statutes and you do them all? Just raise your hand if you think you do them all. Uh, <laughs> if you raise your hand, I'm going home with you tonight. <laughs> I want to see how you do that thing. You know what I'm saying? Dang, all right. But God has said that he wants us to do it. And he said he will help us to do it. And, but you know what? But we got to choose. We got to choose. Uh, you say, well, and I'm, I'm, hey, this is the same thing I've been on all week. And I'm just going to come at it a little different angle, okay? But you know what you say? You say, well, why aren't we doing what we're supposed to do? And uh, I'll tell you what. It's called pretending. Right? We just pretend. And we pretend everything's okay. And we pretend we're good. And you know what? We just pretend. That's right. Now, see, in Hollywood, they have the Globe Awards and the Oscar Award and all those other awards. And they're trying to tell you that the best actors in the world are in New York City and California. I've been preaching for almost 40 years. And I know where the best actors are. <laughs> right? Right here. Right? Now, I'm going to approach this from a humorous point of view and maybe a more serious one. But... Uh, Especially your older folks can relate to this, but let's just say that you're upstairs getting ready for church on Sunday morning and uh, you walk into the bedroom and your daughter just pulled out a dress that she bought at the mall 
and you could hide that dress in my pocket. <laughs> and she says, you say, you're not wearing that dress to the house of God. She says, well, I bought it with my friends at the mall, and they're all expecting me to wear it. And you can't do that. And then, oh, she starts crying. <laughs> then you go downstairs, and your husband is reading the paper, and your five-year-old is sitting in his chair with a bowl of post-toasties turned upside down <laughs> on his head. Your husband's just sitting there. You say, do you see what he's doing? He says, oh, I'm going to the car. And then you have to find his keys because he never knows where the keys are. And he goes out into the car, and what does he do? He starts blowing the horn. And you come out of there with your five-year-old under your arm and, a, and, and the teenage girl by the ear, and you throw him in the back of the car, and you're slanting, you know, he goes skeeting out of the carport down to the road, and you look over at him when he stops to turn. It says, can I please get my leg in the car? <laughs> and then the little girl reaches up and uh, starts to turn on the radio, and daddy slaps her. You're not listening to that crash on the way to God. Well, how's it God? What's wrong with you? And the girl goes, oh, and crying and screaming and going up, and you walk up and pull the parking lot, and four doors open, you say, glory to <laughs> We're here to worship in spirit and in the truth. And we start our little act. That's right. That's right. And we just pretend that everything's okay. Now, I'll, I'll, let me tell you something. I've been uh, blessed by your prayer list. Okay? Your prayer list uh, in praying for the sick, y'all have a good prayer list, and it's people that are sick. And uh, listen, when I found out I had a brain tumor in 1995, I wanted people to pray for me. I called the elders of the church to anoint my head with oil and uh, pray for me, and they did that, and I was glad. Okay, That oil simply means that I'm banking on the Holy Spirit to get me through the circle. I need his help. But, see if you remember ever hearing a prayer request, request, my tongue is sticking to my teeth, okay? If you've ever heard a prayer request like this, uh, preacher, he asked for prayer on Wednesday night. Preacher, I tell you what, uh, my baby down in Alabama, she's got a brother that has a cousin and he's got a boy, and then his son has the gout on his toe. So would y'all, would you pray for my uncle, brother's, daddy's, son's, turn boy? <laughs> <laughs> this means you got, I've heard one. Have you? Hear them all the time. Uh, yeah, uh, my aunt lives, she lives just below us, and uh, uh, she's married to my son. And they've been living together. And, uh, you know, she's, 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 got, uh, she's got the gout real bad. You know, we need to, we need to pray for her. Would you, would you uh, uh, pray for my aunt that's married to my son? No. Now, I want to I ask you something. Do you think that I think that is the worst thing going on? Is that the worst thing that's happening to you? 
Come on. Give me a break. Give me a break. There, and you know what? And my Bible tells me, until you're willing to stretch forth the withered hand, God cannot heal you. And until you're willing to admit that you got a problem, God cannot move. And until you confess his sin, your sin, he can't act on anything else in your life. And yet, we just pretend. We just pretend. Uh, I, would, I was about 27 years old. I was a building contractor. I'd just gotten saved. I got saved when I was 25. A young man came to work for me. He was about 20 years old. And uh, he was a Christian. I was a brand new Christian. He'd been a Christian for a while. And uh, he said, why don't we meet at lunch and study the Bible? I'm like, hey, that's great. I need that. So we read some scriptures and stuff. And all of a sudden, he looked up from his Bible, and he looked right in my face. He says, how are things between you and Jesus? I said, I thought I didn't say well, you little whippersnapper, you, who do you think you are asking me how I'm doing with Jesus? That, oh, that's between me and God. No, that's called discipleship. That's called accountability. That's called being honest. See, this, this vehicle of preaching that I have to use when I go on trips like this is not the best way for you to learn from me. The best way would be we would meet your house and we'd sit on the kitchen table and have a cup of coffee and I would look at you and you would look at me and we'd say, how are things going between you and the Lord? And if we were honest with each other, God could move. God could move. But we have got to learn to be honest. Honest with ourselves. Honest with our spouse. Honest with our children. Honest with your Christian believer friends. Close friends. We've got to learn to start sharing. This thing about sharing your testimony. If you start sharing the fact that you've been sharing, everybody's going to start sharing. That's the way it works. But if you pretend... Oh, I can't do that. God said you can. Oh, but I can't do that. He said he will. Oh, I can't do that. No, you're just pretending. I was preaching at Nashville, North Carolina, and uh, two guys, no, I was in, uh, well, I'll do Nashville. I was in Nashville. The, the, the lady that was the head of the W, she had beautiful white hair, and uh, she came walking down the aisle. When I saw her come forward Easter morning, she, she was coming forward, and I knew that she was coming to pray for her two sons that were lost. She came down every time I was at that church and preached. And she came down, and she took me by the hands and with tears in her eyes. She said, Preacher, I've been doubting my salvation for 40 years. And I've decided I'm not going to doubt anymore. Hallelujah. And she got saved. She got saved. Nobody made fun of her. Nobody laughed at her. Everybody hugged her neck and told her how much they loved her. You know, you, know, you said, well, she was being a hypocrite. Well, 
You know, that's why people, you go invite, you invite people to church and say, well, I'm not going to have a church house of God because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Yeah. You know what I tell them? You mean to tell me the hypocrite is standing between you and God? And they say, yeah. I said, well, that means the hypocrite's closer than you are. <laughs> but you know, the thing about it is, is you know, we need to be sharing with each other and telling people. And uh, what was I telling? What story was it? The one I just tried to tell and forgot. It's like he had two sons. What? Two sons. She had two sons. She kept praying for them. Oh, two sons. She got saved. I finished the story. That's really good. Chickens. What's that? You were saying something about the chickens. Yeah. You worked in that chicken. Chicken plant. But, uh, yeah, I'll get to that one in a minute. I've got to make it. But, you know, another Sunday, uh, when I was in Kentucky, uh, yeah, no, South Carolina, two men started way back in the back corner that came in. And one was uh, 68 and one was 73. And you know what? They got saved. Amen. And you know what? They've been pretending a long time, but they just made a choice that they were going to get saved. And then I came back to that church about 90 days later, and there was a little lady came up to me, and I didn't recognize her. And she she bent down, and she went up, she kissed me on the cheek. She's a preacher. I just came to tell you that my supper gets covered every night with my new husband praying grace over our food. Amen. Amen. Would you like to see something like that happen around here? Amen. You just got to choose. You gotta choose not to pretend. You gotta choose not to pretend. And he says that if you won't pretend and you'll say, Dear God, I got a problem, that he is and has the answer. But we've got to choose. We've got to choose. It's your choice. God has made us in his image and in his likeness. God can choose. And we can choose. The only creation on earth that can choose. And we choose. It's an act of your will when you get saved. The Bible says that you have to die to yourself. It says you have to give yourself away. You have to choose. We've been talking about people choosing. What the Word of God says. We've, we've, we've read to you what the Word of God says. It says we've got to be his witness. And you know what? We need to be about, about his business. But he says that he will cause you to walk in his statutes and you will keep them and you will do them. You will do what God has told us to do. And he will do that for you. He'll do that. Uh, the, other, the other verse says he will take out your heart of stone and he will put his spirit in you, and then he will put in a soft heart or a heart like his heart. And you know what? This thing about he puts it, he does the saving. You don't do it. 
You know, this, this whole thing, we've been trying to talk you into witnessing, but the, the reason most people don't witness is they're afraid that they can't close the deal. They're afraid that when they get to the end, the person will look at them like they're crazy. And they're afraid because they think they have to see them fall over their face and repent. Mm -hmm. No. Your job is simply to share the gospel. Amen. And then put it in God's hand. Now the Holy Spirit may tell you some things to do to help them along, but you just do what the Spirit said. But we've got to realize we have got to get the gospel Facts of the gospel that Jesus led a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death to pay for our sins. But he didn't stay dead, praise God. He arose the third day and now sits at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us to do his will. Amen. To do his will. He says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart. Do you know it? Did you get a new heart when you got saved? Yes, sir. Do you remember that? Do you remember being lost and needing to get saved? He'll give you nothing. You'll, you'll start to act different, talk different, walk different. He'll change the things he needs to change in you. And what he changes in you, he might not need to change somebody else yet. So give him a break. Give them a little time. He gives us a new, a new, a new mindset. Uh, Y'all had all the relatives of uh, in, that are related in the church here, and everybody stood up, and I started playing the thing from that river movie that they. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Coleman's are like that in my hometown. My great-great-grandfather uh, uh, had the first mill on the river, and uh, Coleman's all over the two different branches. And the thing about <coughs> Coleman's, that one thing I know is they think they know everything. <laughs> <laughs> they don't think they know everything, but they think they know everything. And not only that, they like to tell you what they know. And uh, there was a guy that's written a house from one of my cut my one of my uncles, and I mean the houses were real close. And I would go over there to visit my uncle, and this guy would come in, and he'd sit around, and then I, maybe I'd meet him outside, and we'd talk and everything. And this was after I saved, and he, he said to me, he says, he says, man, he says, I tell you, there's something about you, but you're not like any other cold. I ever met. God had changed me. Amen. And you know what? I had to choose to let him change. I said, I want you to do in me what you said you would do in the book. And so, you know what? God does the same. And you know what you've got to do? You've got to choose to turn from your sin, confess your sin, and give your life 
to God. My testimony is that I, you know, like I said, I was in church all my life. I went every time the doors were open, and uh, I didn't see anything there that, that was for me. I mean, nothing. I, you know, I, did, I, did I tell you about the way they sang uh, Victory in Jesus? You know how they sang Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. I said, you call that victory? You come down to the river with me on Friday night, and I will show you some victory. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I did, you know, I, I just, it wasn't, and you know what, my eyes were blind. My eyes were blind. But when I finally came to the place in my life that I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and I was ready to give my life, I went to my cousin's house and he's a Catholic. And I started telling him all that was going on in my life and he looked me straight and I said, you need to give your life to God. And man, I fell on my face right there in his kitchen there. And I said, dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I don't want any more. And I want, I remember from when I went to Sunday school, I remember that you said if I would trust in you, you would show me the way. And you know what, Lord? I want to do exactly what you showed me. Somebody asked me if I got saved. I said, I sure did. And if I die and go to hell tomorrow, I'll die and go to hell believing that Jesus is my Lord. I was convinced. I was sold out. And you know what? I had to make a choice. He said, God will make you do all the things you need to do. He will cause it to happen. He will make it happen. He will, it will allow it to happen. He will empower it to happen. But you've got to choose to let it happen in your life. God's a perfect gentleman. He never steps in where he's not wanted. He's not... Uh, I think I told you I'm six foot five and weigh more than is any of your business. <laughs> My wife is five feet tall and weighs about 105. Now, how, how would it be if I went home, you know, after this trip, and I go and I say, come here and give me a kiss. And man, she's going to snatch her, you know, and I kiss her, put her down and walk away. Okay. Then I go, give me some salt. She goes in it, burns. I say, oh, come on, give me another kiss. It was strong, good, great. What kind of love would that be? And uh, I don't do that for two reasons. One, it's not the best thing to do, and two, I don't want to die. <laughs> Them little ones is well real tight. <laughs> but you know what? I want her to love me. Because she wants to. Amen. And not that she has to. And God is the same way. If he wanted us just to do what he said, he'd made us a bunch of robots and we'd had no choice. <coughs> but he gives us the choice. He gives us the choice and then lets us make it. But we've got to choose. We've got to choose whether or not we're going to sell out to Jesus I talked about falling in love with him where you love him more than anything in the world. That's when you start. start at, at summer camp, 
uh, we, you know, we have dress codes and all this kind of stuff. But when we first started out, we just had always had trouble. Uh, the, the guys, they did okay. But the young ladies, it was kind of hard to get them to cow down and stay in the dress code. So we, we had a big meeting, you know, one summer. Oh, yeah, we have 9,000 kids a year. There will only be 4,500 kids there this summer. And we have 45 kids in Austin. So he was bragging on me too much. <laughs> But we had a big meeting. Oh, we got we got to figure out some way to get these girls to understand, you know. And so we said, "Oh, I know. If they understood the effect they had on young young men, they would do that." And that sounded good. Son, if that was the worst thing we could have done. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and then I, we came up with two or three more ideas. But you know what we finally learned? And we know you know what works? Until they fall in love with Jesus. They simply won't talk about stuff. That's right. There's no point in talking about stuff. Because that's just a thing. And the issue is loving Jesus more than you love showing up. He says, he will cause you to do his statutes, and he said, he will give you a new heart. It also says, he says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and I'll clean you up. I will clean you up. I'll cleanse you of all idols. He <laughs> says, the last sentence, I will cleanse you. It's up to God to clean you up. I don't know how many people I've talked to that said, you know what, I know that gospel stuff is true and I know I need to go to church and live for the Lord, but you know what, I'm going to wait until I can you know, stop drinking and stop fighting and uh, stealing stuff, and then when I get straightened out, I'm going to come to church and do right. Let me tell you something, son. If you can do that, Jesus died in vain. If you can do that without him, why did he die? The point is, you cannot do it. And he must do it. He cleanses you up. Don't wait till you get better. You need to know that, you know what? Because I love Jesus, I'm going to do what he has told me to do. We've talked about a, a lot of things this week. And I think I told you, I know I told Pastor, but my commitment to you in, in getting this evangelism thing going and, and, and with people witness and see people get saved, uh, my commitment to you is not until tonight, brother, but until Jesus comes right now, I'm available. Okay? But you know what? There's a lot of people here tonight, and you've been pretending. And Billy Graham said he thought 75% of church members were lost. Yeah, 75%.
Well, you know, you got 50% of people on your church roll that the FBI couldn't find. <laughs> That's a good database for calling people and witnesses. Hey, we noticed you're a member of the church. And man, we would love for you to come back. And, uh, you know, and then tell them stuff about the hypocrites to be closer than they are. And then <laughs> share the gospel with them. And then, ah, that's a, you got the list, names, and address, and phone number. But you know, there's, but so, so basically, if that 50% is taken off the 75%, that means that 50% of the 50% is here. I would never be that bold to say that and be said. You say, well, you know what? I think I'm saved, but I and I and I love I love the Lord. I think I'm saved, but I, let me tell you something. If you think you're 99 percent lost, you're 100 percent saved. If you know, if you think you're 1 percent lost, you're 99 percent lost. If you're doubting your salvation, if you wonder, oh, did I pray the right, right prayer? Did I do the do this? Did I do that? And then, you know, when was I baptized? Was I really sincere? And oh, I was so young, and you know, I didn't know what I was doing. No, why don't you just pray the prayer and be done? God will forgive you for praying the prayer twice, but he cannot forgive you for not praying. He cannot forgive you for not choosing Jesus. And so there's people here tonight that need to deal with the issue of their salvation. If you're doubting, why that? Why that? Why even think about that? Doubt? Just settle the issue. But you got to choose to do that. You got to choose. You know what? You know, you, uh, you, you're pretty sure you're saved, but you know what? You still got some kind of selfish attitudes and stuff you're working on. You know what? You got saved, but you know, maybe maybe your heart's not as soft as it should be. Maybe you don't love, have a love for the lost like you should have. And maybe you're not committed to do whatever it takes to see them come to Christ. You know what? God wants to give you a new heart tonight. A heart for the lost. A heart for the dying. Heart for your relatives and your friends and your workmates. People you don't even know yet. They need the Lord. And then you say, Well, I know I got some sin in my life, but they're just little bits of 